0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Hashtag Disruption Dialogues, a Markets and Markets podcast series for growth-minded strategy, market intelligence, and competitive intelligence professionals. Hello and welcome to another episode of Disruption Dialogues. I'm Pranjal Sharma. I'm an author based in New Delhi. And today I'm going to be in discussion with Vasant Srinivas, Vice President Healthcare and Life Sciences at ETOS. Thanks, Vasant, for joining us today. Thank you, Pranjal. Appreciate that. So Vasanth, we've discussed that the topic today is going to be something that impacts all of us and across the world, integrated deliveries with the patient first approach. It sounds a bit of a complex topic, but really it's about ensuring that whatever happens in the healthcare system, you put the patient first. But from your perspective, how would you like to explain it best to our listeners?
1: Perfect. Thanks a lot. Let me give you a little bit of story about myself. I've been in the industry for more than 25 years in the healthcare life sciences, but being there and having known this and the trouble that I needed to go through, right? I had to get a surgery done, a, a small surgery, which was an outpatient surgery. And um, for that, I did meet my doctor, the surgeon, and then he had a couple of different facilities. Knowing the cost, I basically wanted to get to the one that has the least. I called one of the health systems in Atlanta and they put me through multiple different layers and I was not able to get a transparency on what the cost, at least the range of the cost. And actually I had to make three or four calls and eventually I got some number which was completely out of whack. And I kind of had an idea, but in United States, If I go to one health system and if I walk across to another health system, it can be a totally different price point. Really, there is no transparency. And what tends to happen is since you're already backed by insurance, you don't need to worry about it and come in and we will give you the care. So why I'm telling you this particular incident is that, first of all, it actually impacted the customer experience. I really didn't like it because I didn't get what I wanted from them. And number two is The biggest problem that if I could relate to from United States standpoint, right now I'm focusing more on US and we can extrapolate it to the world later. Here, what's happening is, it is a $4 trillion problem today, which is about 19% of the GDP. That's the kind of expenditure that healthcare generates today in our nation. And essentially, if you look at a healthcare, it is a three legged stool, if you could call it. You need to look at access to care. You need to look at quality of care and the cost of the care. The cost of the care is completely out of whack, whereas we do have a much better access to the systems and the quality as compared to the cost is also not that great in our country. Essentially, if you look at other industrialized countries and they get to deliver much better quality outcomes for much lesser cost, it's a better bang for the buck is what I'm talking about. To sum it all up, and the reason why it's all happening here is because we have health systems completely different from the payers organization which is health insurance companies or even the government is one of the payers out here and you have different fragmented systems, like nursing homes are different and they build it completely differently. Hospitals are built completely different way. And eventually they need to reconcile everything with how payers or the insurance companies and there will be always a tug of war between them. It's always been the case until 2010 when President Obama came up with the Accountable Care Act. Based on the Accountable Care Act, wanted to bring accountability between the multiple different stakeholders that are not really seeing eye to eye. In this context, what ended up happening was they created contracts called Accountable Care Organizations, which is a contract between payer and provider that will focus on the outcome of the patient or the improvement in the or the delta, if you will, in the population of a particular geography or a particular member base where you could improve the outcomes from X to Y. That's how we started looking at it. And they also created incentives based on this particular ACOs or the accountable care organizations to come together. So going back, you know, there are several centers of excellence here. For example, Kaiser Permanente, Geisinger Health Plan, which is Pennsylvania based uh, system, and Intermountain Healthcare. They're all integrated delivery systems. So now we're getting into a very interesting area, which is integrated delivery system which means that a payer and a provider is one and they provide that service and gets paid by themselves. So essentially in this particular area, so there is no delay between the payers and providers and the payment uh, obligations and so on and so forth. It becomes a lot more are transparent and then it becomes a lot more faster to basically achieve whatever they needed to achieve as a goals but this was actually there from a long time and now what's happening is especially with impetus from COVID which is while COVID is not such a good thing for any of us in the whole wide world it made a lot of different stakeholders to think differently you know think out of the box so that's when you know if you look at pharmaceutical companies and you know, all the competitors got together to create vaccines for example and similarly all the health systems are being challenged to look at how differently can we deal with the patients. For example, it's a telemedicine or a telehealth, if you were to look at it, and which was not possible because of regulatory reasons earlier. Now, we're gonna be able to sit at home and then talk to our doctors and basically go through certain conditions, which is probably not required for me to travel over to the doctor's place. So that's what's happening. So eventually, where we are trying to get to is the digital layer that is being built which will provide for telehealth, which will provide for uh, decentralized clinical trials in the case of pharmaceutical companies and the digital layer that can provide a machine learning capability to be able to understand the population trends and also eventually leading to a very, very important thing that will impact the quality of uh, the care, is the care management.
0: I just want to understand how much of this is about process how much of it is about the designing of the hospital, which could involve at the conceptual stage, and how much of it this is a technological solution to make sure that the processes all come together. What comes first? Because you're also talking about existing healthcare organizations. They will have to retrofit a lot of these digital layers that you're referring to. So how is it going to work? How do you make sure that you know, it's going to be a huge effort to do something like that. Absolutely. You, you said it right, Pranjal. Yes,
1: it is going to be a Herculean task and it's already happening. And several large health systems are already going through the entire revamp of their digital area. So they're looking at their application base and they are completely moving towards a vertical stack approach by taking those and and completely transforming their applications to lend itself to the new digital layer. So obviously, you know, all the hospitals would need to start. There is something on interoperability between payer and provider. That is something that needs to increase. While all these IDS or IDNs were existing before, it was not pervasive. It was probably three or four percent. And now we expect this to go up. And what it means is that, for example, if I walk into a hospital let's say if i have a surgery and five days stay in the hospital at the point of inception or point of walk-in i should get my insurance data validated and i walk in i get the surgery done and then eventually when i walk out when the discharge happens at that point in time all the systems from the payer and provider should be talking to each other to make sure that i'm completely done and then the bill comes out and then it gets paid by payer and then I walk out with my own obligation to be paid.
0: Here is the person that you're not just talking about a healthcare service provider, you're talking about its integration with a payment system, with the insurance company, perhaps the bank, perhaps the account of the patient and the consumer. So the integration that you're referring to, or at least a connectivity or, or talking to each other kind of system, is going to be much bigger, far more interconnected, but therefore perhaps more complex. Absolutely, far more interconnected. If you look
1: at a couple of different systems, there's clinical systems. And the clinical system is where when your care is delivered, it's all being recorded in that particular area in clinical systems. And then that becomes one of the records that you know spits out all the electronic health records and medical records in all those areas. That is one area. And then we have the payment systems. And the payment system is one other area where we have usually the issues because it is coded and once hospital codes all the payment and that needs to be paid by the healthcare insurance companies and that's where the interoperability needs to get even more stronger and moment there is an exchange of data between hospital and the payer on the Electronic health records, EHR, EMRs, which is what we call, and along with the payment data. And that's when it speeds up the entire process and it becomes a little bit more. What I should say is, I don't have to really worry about it because as a patient, I don't want to be sitting there and then I get a bill from anesthesiologist and I get another bill from a different provider tomorrow. I get probably about five or six different bills after I went through a small surgery, even today. So, it needs to get to a situation where everything is consolidated it's taken care and be done with it
0: what role is technology playing in this vasan because this is the disruption dialogue how is technology and what kind of technology is bringing disruption here so if you look at it you know in the clinical area there are uh, very good systems out there called epic cern
1: in fact uh, cerner is a company that recently got bought by oracle and they are betting heavily on healthcare. And if you look at the disruptions in digital that begin to happen about a couple of years ago, and it stalled a bit a little bit, is when Amazon and uh, Berkshire Hathaway and JP Morgan got together and then created Haven, which is a special purpose vehicle to basically digitalize this healthcare area. So what really mattered at that, that time was even the regulatory Constraints that was probably not taken much into consideration, the complexities that involved with the multi-layer, of fragmented system that we had, and it did not become a success. But if you look at it now with post-COVID, the digital is gaining a lot of momentum, especially if, if it's a remote patient monitoring, for example, and that is now regulatorily acceptable. We can do that. And the digital is bringing in a lot of IoT devices essentially you know you have the information at your fingertips in your apps and basically you know your your health profile today as we speak and then if when you congregate all this data and do analytics using the digital analytics and you're able to look at a current baseline of let's say a population for let's say in New York if it's 8 million people population and this is the baseline and basically you look at stratify that and then get into the disease prevalence which tells you obesity, or it could be uh, hypertension, diabetes, whatever may be the cause, and you basically outline all those causes. And it is an accurate data because you have multiple sets of data coming in from multiple different areas. In fact, uh, health systems are also tying up with pharmaceutical companies and trying to get their real-world data as such. So when you combine all this data, which is enriched, and you're gonna be able to get a much better feel for what's the current level of uh, you know, care, uh, the population risk, I should say, and then you basically target the particular disease areas, which could be obesity. That's one of the biggest areas in, in the United States today. And you could look at hypertension and diabetes. All these areas are targeted and then improved. Once it improves, then the care management, which is the outcome, of quality and that improves.
0: And what about ATOS? Any examples of what ATOS has done so far? Something which could be setting the example for the industry? Yes, ATOS has been in the forefront of all this
1: and ATOS uh, works with nearly about over a thousand hospitals worldwide and it's not only in the United States and they have developed all the systems in fact they take care of the infrastructure and the applications and ATOS has a huge expertise in the area of you know EPIC, for example, which is a clinical systems, they have complete knowledge of all these areas. To add to that, ATOS also brings in a center of excellence because it has a uh, investment that's in the scientific community that has doctors, nurses, uh, scientists, uh, basically are present in that particular cohort and they're essentially overseeing a lot of different things called multi-omics is one of the areas that we are doing in United Kingdom, I should say. And similarly, this particular cohort community is also contributing and they are utilizing a very highly differentiated product or the IP that we have, which is high performance computing. Atos also provides hardware as such. So it needs a lot of high-end number crunching computing capability when you do multi-omics or when you do data crunching analytics for the hospitals, especially for the hospital area, and they are completely present in every different aspect of this, which includes uh, cost, quality, and also basically the consumer experience or the customer experience area is is one other area where they're completely present.
0: So wasn't the final theme I want to check with you is you are a domain expert, as you said, you've been in this field for several years. Are these models likely to work in uh, emerging markets as well, or do you see this only in, in US and Europe Uh, What level of sophistication is required in the market for this approach to be successful? Because, you know, a patient-first approach is something which is universal. It cannot be about a developed market or an emerging economy. How do you see that playing out? I would say, Ranjal,
1: going forward, we would see a sea of change, especially in the United States. While... It was a structural issue that united states had even has even today and that is going to progressively change by the digital so extrapolating that to the world we do not have this issue let's say with uk or france because there it's a single payer system and you have government paying mostly everything essentially you don't have this kind of a uh, you don't have to really worry about an integrated delivery system as such in that particular area but there the problems might be slightly different It's about the access to the care or the time taken to the care which is essentially people would would need to stand in line is what i've heard in in several other countries they will not be able to you know get their you know elective surgeries done for like months together which is possible in the united states in probably weeks so the different geography brings in different challenges but the digital underlying digital has been given a huge push especially like i'm saying after covid it's become even more prominent and that's being utilized everywhere and even in the emerging countries especially in india india has undertaken a very big you know exercise in bringing or hauling the entire health system as such and that they're actually investing pretty heavily even in a digital
0: area for that the Aishman area that they're talking about so you think that this this model can work in most parts of the world of course there will have to be some customization of that. But Vasan, thank you so much for sharing this. I'm sure our listeners are excited about patient-first approach because that seems to be missing in in most of the uh, service providers. And the way the technology is enabling it with the digital layers coming in and the interconnectedness, I think uh, we can look forward to far better experiences as consumers and patients. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think going forward, we are very optimistic.
1: And and with all the things coming together, it is going to be from volume to value. It's all been volume and transaction based, and how much money each stakeholders make at this point in time. It's all now moving to value is providing, keeping the patient at the center, what these fragmented elements, how they can come together, how the interoperability can be put into place under with the underlying digital layer to bring about the change. And which is happening pretty fast and uh, probably in about five to seven years' time. And we will be in a much highly sophisticated environment with a patient-centric approach.
0: Thanks, Vasant. That was a great summary. And to all the people who are listening in, thanks for your time. I was in conversation with Vasan Srinivas, Vice President, Healthcare and Life Sciences at Atos. Stay tuned for more such interesting conversations in our future episodes on Disruption Dialogues. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Disruption Dialogues. If you are a strategy or market intelligence professional, we invite you to join our community on LinkedIn, hashtag Disruption Dialogues.